And that in, in pivotal key moments that you can learn how to get a hold of his word and say, God, I don't know what to do about this situation. I don't know what to do about this friendship. I don't know about how to, how to handle this situation with this class I'm struggling with. I don't know how to handle these emotions that are coming on me. I don't know how to handle my draw that I have to things, to look at things that I'm not supposed to be looking at. God, how do I move through this? Come on, I know I'm messing with some people. Look at all the adults in the room, all the leaders in the room. We're all still in process. We're all learning to overcome. But it's because we've learned how to grab onto him. Yes, I need partners in life. I need people that are stronger than me. I need people that will call me out. I call Pastor Jeremy and I say, hey, I messed up about this. Will you pray for me? You have to have people in your life like that that know how to hold your arms up. But the most important person for me to cry out to, if I call him every day, every time I get messed up, he's going to stop answering. Would you agree? If I start calling Pastor Spencer all the time, I'd be like, Spence, oh my goodness, you know, you gotta, you don't even know, this guy just cut me off. It's unbelievable. Right? You would not believe what my child just said, you know what I mean? I have to learn how to go to the Lord. I have to learn how to take my, my stuff to him. David inquired of the Lord, what do I do? How do I respond? How do I show love in this moment? What does love look like in this moment? Everything's confused. Everything's upside down. What do I do with this moment, God? Welcome to the PC Youth Pod. Thank you for taking time to listen this week. Where do you turn when things get difficult? When the heat of life gets turned up and you have a difficult time keeping your cool? God can teach us how to respond if we let him. So get a Bible, something to write with, as we get into this week's message. Have you ever found yourself in the middle of an experience that you thought, I have no idea how I got here, and Lord, please get me out? Awkward moments in life. Can you think of like top five awkward moments in life? Okay, few of you can remember real quick, some of the rest of you... By the end of the night, you're going to be like, oh my goodness, I forgot. (laughs) We live in uh, this cool old home and old homes are great, but old homes have some problems too. And when we were first um, understanding how this house was all put together and, you know, we didn't have um, an understanding of all the piping and how everything works. So because it was old, there was things when things broke that you had to do that were not fun. And one of the most uncomfortable things about this house was the fact that the clean out for the sewer was in the basement. And so, and it was not one of these clean outs that was like in the floor. It was at eye level. And so if something happened and you had a problem, you had to solve this problem. And who had to solve the problem? The dad has to solve. I could like Avery, go do that. That would have been terrible. I can't do that. So I, what you had to do is you had to hook a bucket up on the top of this thing so when you unscrew the cap, you catch whatever would come out, right? Are you guys imagining? Are you with me? Nobody wants to imagine what I'm talking about right now, but just kind of, you know, have some empathy and some compassion for me. Okay, so, but you had to be quick. Does everybody understand the story and where it's going? You had to be quick because if you did not move quick enough to get the cap off and the bucket into place uncomfortable moments happened in your life. And so this not, 
This was an interesting evening in my life and I was trying to solve problems and be all manly. And so I unscrewed the cap and I, but I didn't get the bucket up in time. And so I got a four inch pipe backed up for longer than I want to know, just in my face of sewage water. Is it, you're all uncomfortable now. You're just like, you can't preach after sharing that story. The only thing worse than having this happen to you once is having it happen to you twice, Ivan. Twice. So this happened to me twice. And uh, it's true. Nobody's going to want to talk to me after this, Tyler. Like, I feel like I just made the whole room squirm. But awful moments can happen in life, right? Things can, things can get off. And I got through the moment and over the weirdness of it. And uh, later had an in, an, uh, you know, a clean out installed outside. Praise God. I'm very grateful for that clean out now. But uh, I tell you what. Ministry transition moment here, okay? There's things that can that can happen in our lives if we don't learn how to not let things inside us, in our lives, in our relationships, especially with God, but also with people. It can get really nasty if we're not careful. Would you agree with me? How something really, really normal can turn to something really, really not fun real quick. I want to tell you uh, a story tonight. I'm going to talk, talk to you about the story of David. And, uh, and, and this is a, a story in his life that's out of first Samuel 30. If somebody wants to bring your, if you got a paper Bible here, let's see how they're doing. Pastor, Pastor Spencer. Okay. You got your paper Bible. Hold it up. I want to see it. Okay. We need more. Come on. There we go. We got to like get over 20 next week. Okay. We got to keep working on this right here. Come on. If you got a glowing Bible, show me that you got the app open. Come on, turn it on, open it up. First Samuel 30. Come on, get it going. Let's be in the Word tonight together. I want to take you um, to a story that I think is uh, it's one of my favorite in the Bible. You're going to go through some stuff. Scripture says, in this world you will have trouble. Raise your hand in here if you've ever had trouble. Yes? Okay. The rest of you, your memory is going to get reminded in just a moment. I'm sure of it. David was a guy who, um, he, he wrote meant much of the Psalms and, and it really depicts his highs and his lows and all over the place. But the cool thing about him was that he really learned how to meet with God. He learned how to do what, what Anna just led us in right there, which is here I am, God, I'm all messed up. I have no idea what to do with myself. And he learned how to just meet with God and get his heart right. We're going to talk about that tonight and, uh, how we handle difficult things. So everybody with me? All right. David had returned to Ziklag after fighting with the Philistines. They were going to battle with Israel and didn't want David to turn his loyalty. So they asked him to leave. So he left. David and his men reached Ziklag. I love that. Wouldn't you like to live in a town called Ziklag? Wouldn't that just be more Salem? I mean, Salem means peace. It's cool. But Ziklag, maybe we could get a nickname for the city. Anyway, reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and that, and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed, uh, they killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. But David and his men reached Ziklag, and they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters were taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured. 
uh, Ahinoam and Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found, I want you to catch this right now, don't, don't miss this. David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, the son of Abimelech, bring me the ephod. Uh, Abathar brought it to him and David inquired of the Lord. Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and exceed in the rescue. David and the 600 men with him came to uh, the Besor Valley where they stayed behind. 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley, but David and the other 400 men continued the pursuit. They found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. They gave him water to drink and food to eat part of a cake of pressed figs and two cakes of raisins. He ate and was revived for he had not eaten any food or drunk any water for three days and three nights. David asked him, who do you belong to? Where do you come from? He said, I am an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite. My master abandoned me when I became ill three days ago. We raided the Negev and the Carathites, some territory belonging to Judah and the Negev of Caleb. And we burned Ziklag. David asked him, Can you lead me down to this raiding party? He answered, Swear to me before God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master and I will take you down to them. He led David down and there were three, and and they were there, uh, and there were scattered over the mountain or over the countryside, eating, drinking, and uh, reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. David fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day, and none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. Do you ever just imagine these? Like, how do you escape on a camel? Camels can't be that fast. Has anybody ridden a camel in here? How do you escape on a camel? Just seems like taking a bicycle or something. I don't know. Anyway, uh, he took all the flocks and herds, and the men drove them. Ahead of the other livestock saying, this is David's plunder. Then David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow him. And they were left behind at the Beshore Valley. I'm going to stop there. I want you guys to catch something. I, I really love this story because David, I, don't, I didn't really unpack it at the beginning. But I want you to understand something. He had just come off of a major victory. He was like the man. Everybody's singing his praises. Everybody thinks... He's incredible. They had this great victory. And then they come home and everybody wants to stone him. Ever had that day? All of a sudden you're doing great and then boom, something happens. Some text comes through. Somebody posts something. Mom and dad are upset about something. You honestly forgot and you just didn't get whatever it was. I just, I want you to catch this. These moments happen in life. Ziklag moments happen in life. And David learned how to move through them in a unique way. He said, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. You are going to have these moments if you walk close to Jesus. You're going to have moments where everything's going great and you're all of a sudden in this, what do I do? And I want to talk about tonight what he did and how we move through these moments. I'm looking at a room full of people who just came through a ziklag season. Would you agree? This last 14 months has been crazy. 
And I'm looking at overcomers. Conquers. Scripture says you're more than a conqueror in Christ who strengthens you. But we have to learn how to do what David did when everybody else, I mean, these were his friends. This was his family. This was, these were the people, they were his brothers. They were the ones that he had been to battle with. I mean, they talk about David's mighty men. But out of this, a bunch of them, even though they just went to victory together, a bunch of them wanted to kill him. Like that. You ever had a friend turn on you real quick? Don't be that kind of friend, by the way. Got to learn how to move through things together and be able to stick together. But I want you to understand there's some important things that happen in this story. Who do you turn to? Who do you turn to when something shifts, something changes? And I, and I bring David's life before you and I would just encourage you tonight to take a peek and let it look like a mirror in your own life. In this last season, what do I do? Do I turn to people? Do I turn to food? Do I turn to drugs? Do I turn to girls? Do I turn to guys? What do I, what do I turn to in a moment when I'm falling apart? Have the courage to honestly answer that question in your heart right now. Do I turn to the world or do I turn to Jesus? Your life will likely be defined by several significant moments, key moments in life. And how you respond. Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. Did you get that? It's opposite world. Every one of us in this room, I don't care the giftings, the callings, the background, the family. We're all going to go through some stuff. Some of you feel like almost like it's been unfair. That person, they, 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 they came up and they had the resources and they had... I'm just going to tell you, I'm looking at a room full of brilliant people right now. There's nothing in this world that you can't accomplish if you learn how to walk with him. He knows how to lead us to resources. He knows how to lead us to wisdom. He knows how to lead us. And the people that are faithful sometimes with the smallest are the ones that in the end do the most significant things with their life because they just are more grateful. As opposed to going, I got this. And so I want to encourage you tonight. To say, Father, how am I doing on my decision making in heated moments? How am I doing in these pivotal moments in my life? And for some of you, you say, everything's good. Okay, store up some wisdom tonight because you might face something in the future. Okay, I know. For some of you, I'm talking about major pivotal moments in your life. You're like, dude, I'm in sixth grade. You're being a little bit much. Sixth grade wasn't the easiest year for me. Neither was seventh or eighth. Okay. Significant things happen in the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Somebody talk to me right now. Your heart can get broken in the sixth grade. Your spirit can get crushed in the seventh grade. Depression can set in in the eighth grade. In the night, you know what I'm saying? Stuff can happen. And some of you have walked through some things that are beyond me. And the way that I've seen you overcome, the way that I've seen you stand up and have a testimony in the middle of it, it's pretty significant. But how you stand is significant and other people are watching. 
It's not just about Spencer, you getting free and Corey, you getting free. And man, look at my beautiful. It's about learning how to then help other people, right? It's, it's learning how to be able to not only if my whole life is about just trying to keep me out of trouble, I've missed it. Is anybody with me right now? David could have turned and said, you people are crazy. If you knew how much I'd done for you, you're nuts. I'm out of here. Key leadership moment. He could have walked away and been very justified by that. Would you agree? How could you turn? You want to stone me? He was, I mean, crazy. Instead, what did he do? Who do you turn to in these moments? And I want you to see what he did. It's pretty awesome. He turned right here. He turned here. Amen? Who do you turn to? Who do I turn to? Whose opinion do you want? David inquired of the Lord. Look at your neighbor right now. Short conversation. And just say, who are you inquiring about? Come on, just say it right now. Who are you inquiring about? And maybe some of you have never said the word inquire in your life. That's okay. David inquired of the Lord. He asked him, what do you want me to do? I want you to come out of here tonight with some confidence that you can hear from God. And that in, in pivotal key moments that you can learn how to get a hold of his word and say, God, I don't know what to do about this situation. I don't know what to do about this friendship. I don't know about how to, how to handle this situation with this class I'm struggling with. I don't know how to handle these emotions that are coming on me. I don't know how to handle my draw that I have to things, to look at things that I'm not supposed to be looking at. God, how do I move through this? Come on, I know I'm messing with some people. Look at all the adults in the room, all the leaders in the room. We're all still in process. We're all learning to overcome. But it's because we've learned how to grab onto him. Yes, I need partners in life. I need people that are stronger than me. I need people that will call me out. I call Pastor Jeremy and I say, hey, I messed up about this. Will you pray for me? You have to have people in your life like that that know how to hold your arms up. But the most important person for me to cry out to, if I call him every day, every time I get messed up, he's going to stop answering. Would you agree? If I start calling Pastor Spencer all the time, I'd be like, Spence, oh my goodness, you know, you gotta, you don't even know, this guy just cut me off. It's unbelievable. Right? You would not believe what my child just said. You know what I mean? I have to learn how to go to the Lord. I have to learn how to take my, my stuff to him. David inquired of the Lord, what do I do? How do I respond? How do I show love in this moment? What does love look like in this moment? Everything's confused. Everything's upside down. What do I do with this moment? God didn't see this one coming. I know my analogy earlier was gross, but there's, there's moments, there's moments, this stuff comes like that. It's fast and there's almost no way to be prepared. What you do in the calm seasons, the way that you prepare your heart when things are still and the waters are still and the strength that you build up in those moments help you to make sense when the crazy moments happen. Anybody get that? And it'll hold you steady so you don't do anything too crazy. Because key moments, defining moments will come what you do in the secret place. What you do, that's why I encourage you guys to get a journal and learn how to start meeting with the Lord and having a conversation all on your own. And learn how to cherish those moments because he wants to talk to you. 
And David had learned how to do that. And now David, if you know his story, he did not do everything right. He was a very emotional individual. He was up, he was down, he was all over the place. And there were times that it got him in trouble. But it's also interesting that God would say of him, a guy who sinned a lot, that he's a man after God's own heart. Even in spite of all his failures, God said that about him because he learned how to come to God and how to meet with him in the middle of his mess. And I'm challenging each one of you tonight to say, is that, is my heart geared that way? Is it, am I learning how to do this in these moments to yield? I have no idea what to do with myself. I have no idea what's off right now. I do not know why I'm so frustrated about this. God, I want to forgive this person, but I'm just mad. Come on. Am I talking to anybody right now? What does love look like in this? Come on, God, would you teach me? How to yield to you, how to forgive, how to love, how to let this thing go, how to honor, how to sow something in this season instead of just stirring up more frustration, God. You learn how to come back and say, God, I want to know your opinion. I'm going to wait for your peace and I'm going to wait for your wisdom. If you seek him, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things get added unto you. Right? Be anxious for nothing in all things through prayer and supplication. Make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I can tell you what. I have those scriptures in me because they had to be there. Because I was a very prideful, anxious person. That would make really emotional, fast decisions and it would get me in trouble. I learned how to work my way out of them, but I got tired of giving money away. I got tired of making foolish decisions. I got tired of having to apologize for things that I could have just stored up some more wisdom. And so then over time you start to go, man, it's more fun to walk with you, God. It's more fun to be close to you and just to kind of be able to go. What does scripture say? That I'm literally supposed to learn how to go from glory to glory. Does that mean I won't walk through something? No, but it means when I do walk through something, I can have an expectation. You're going to bless me. You're going to help me through this thing. And then peace floods you in the middle of the storm. I want you to understand that that's how God thinks. That's, I mean, whose opinion do you want? I only really want his opinion. We live in a world where opinions are everywhere. Would you agree? It's never been easier to share your opinion. You can take out your phones right now and you can just post anything. And anybody, anywhere can see it. And I want you to understand, there, is a, there needs to become an expectation in every believer that, God, I really just want your opinion. I really just want to know what you have to say about this. I'm asking you to calm me down. I'm asking you to help me make some sense as I move through this. And I'm not afraid to admit that I'm just maybe a little bit undone right now and that I need some wisdom. I need you to give me love that I do not have for this person. Because I know if I want to honor your word, if I want to honor your word, if I want to honor your heart, that means that I love right now. Instead of running away from this, I run to it. I run to you and you give me love that I do not have right now. Do you know that's how it works? And it's okay for you to admit that I literally don't have the resource from heaven right now that I need. But I'm asking for it. And he says he loves to give good gifts. How cool is that? You can come to him if you come in 
honesty and you can say, listen, God, I'm a little messed up. Feeling a little depleted. I'm asking for wisdom. I'm asking God for some grace right now. I need grace for this person. I need grace to be able to know how to move through this season. And he says, okay. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. What? Weakness? Yeah, because in weakness you learn about his nature. Because when I become weak, then he can become strong. A lot of times he has to get me out of the way because I always want to control things. And you have to get to the point where you go, like, I am just like messing this thing up. God, I need your help right now. Every time I try to do something on my, my own effort. And David, he was smart enough in this moment to just go, the only opinion right now that I want is yours, Father. I'm not listening to my buddies. I'm not listening to my best warriors. I'm not listening. They all just want to kill me. All I want to know is what would you have for me to do? He says, get those 600 dudes right there and you go after your people right now. And then he went and he checked, he checked with authority too. Do you agree? Is this what you hear? This is what I'm hearing. Boom. And they went. We have to learn how to do that. I just want to give you all permission in here tonight that it's okay to not be okay. Come on, none of you over here, guys, don't miss this, please. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be a little bit undone once in a while. It's okay to go to your parents. It's okay to go to your pastor, go to your grandmas, your grandpas, whoever, and be said, can you pray for me? I don't know what to do with me right now. That's what David, he was king. That's what he did. Humility is the language of the spirit. We talked about that last week. Come on, guys. Whose opinion do we want? I don't want the post. I don't want the like. I don't want the comment. I want the word. Somebody with me right now. I know I'm just talking real stuff, but I'm telling you, people ask me my opinion about things, and I just said, who cares? What does the word of God have to say? And yes, he will flow through me and every one of our gifts is different and you can get two wonderful godly people can have a different but a different opinion on something. But I, ultimately, if you sit and you wait for God's peace and his wisdom to flood over you, you will make great decisions and you will do great things in this world. There is no limit to what you can do. Hear me on that right now. I just saved a whole bunch of you about a million dollars. If you take me at my word... Which isn't my word, it's his. Come on. You can hear from God. And the last thing, whose results do you want? Whose results do you want? David didn't just get his stuff back. I didn't read you the end. He got, he got everything back with interest. When you learn how to not just go after that, I'm going to go straighten them out. I'm going to post something about that person. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure they know never mess with me. As opposed to God, I'm... I'm going to get out on my knees right now. I'm going to ask you to bless them. Not only do I forgive them, but I'm going to bless them. That's, that's, there's a difference. That's the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, literally, he wasn't even recognizable as a human being anymore. He did more for you than you could possibly quantify or understand tonight. But we should always be stretching our spirit and stretching our heart and our mind to be able to understand a little bit more. Would you agree? I used to not watch The Passion very often because it's just so intense. But I 
on Easter this last year. I watched it and I made a deal with the Lord. Like, I'm going to watch this every year because I just need to be reminded and I need to see it. And I need to do everything I can to take your story in. I want my story to be his story. I don't want to miss victories that I was meant to have because I was too interested in whatever was important to me as opposed to what was important to him. So David got it all back and then some, whose results do you want? The enemy will come and you can see it when it comes in division. You can see it when it comes in anger. You can see it when it comes in hatred and fear, discouragement, depression. And God comes in his spirit. You can recognize it when somebody comes and like, I have a word for you. And if it comes and it brings any of the rest of that, it's not from God. But if it comes and you can sense the peace of God and you can sense love and you can sense unity. That doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit won't come and bring correction. But in this moment, you can see it. Peace comes in like that. All right, I know exactly what to do. When we learn how to move with him, we get to walk in a crazy amount of victory. I believe God wants to win some victories, not just in this season, in this moment, but that are going to touch generations tonight. Worship team, if you would come back up. I believe God wants to teach us how to uh, not, I think about this a lot. It's like you can either dig a hole or you can dig a well. Have you ever been in a season you're like, I feel like I'm working really hard and all I'm doing is digging a hole. I'm not getting anywhere. Trying to do the right thing. When you work with the Lord, even when it's getting messy, it's getting hard, if you're working and partnering with Him, literally it's the difference between you standing there and doing something without purpose. As soon as you give that over to the Lord, you go from digging a hole to digging a well. You go, you're going to have, from going through everything that you're going through in that process, as dirty as it gets and as hard as it gets and you're sweating and you're trying to get through something, there's resource not only there for you then in the future, but it's for other people. It's the difference between a hole and a well. Are you guys with me? I don't want to just go through dumb stuff to go through dumb stuff. Would anybody agree? I want, this is what Second Corinthians 4.17 says, These momentary light afflictions are producing for you an eternal weight of glory. I want my trials to produce something. If I'm going to go through it, I want something out of it. David not only got through that, he, he got, he got his, his, his family back and he got all kinds of extras. God will show you the extra when you learn how to say, Father, I trust you. I don't know what to do in this season, but I'm not going to move into a place of distrust right now. Everything inside me, everything inside me wants to say, forget it. And I'm going to step into faith. I'm going to step into trust. I'm going to step into love. I'm going to honor you. It's painful. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're trying to change in me, but I give you permission. Fix me first. Come on. Mark, come here for a quick. We can get into something real quick. And you may have said something horrible to me, which he hasn't. He's amazing. And I love his shoes. Anyway. But the tendency is always to want to say, I want to fix your part. As opposed to me taking care of my part. We usually think we have the 5% and Mark's got the 95. Would you agree? 
Sometimes it's the opposite. My job is to own my side. My job is not to fix his or to point it out even. Now, if we're close friends, we should be able to have an honoring dialogue. Hey, there's some stuff. But the first thing you do is you come back into the arms of Christ and you say, God, deal with me. And I don't even want to talk to you about the issue until God has poured love on me and he's shown me what my issue was. Well, you kind of came in with the wrong tone, Aaron, because you came in and you weren't thoughtful about what was going on in Mark's life in that season. That triggered him to be able to say something he probably regretted. So really, maybe my 5% was more like 75% because I wasn't thoughtful to pray before I went into that conversation. You see the difference? My job, five. God, whatever my part is, I own it. I own it, and then I'm going to pray for my friend. Do you see the difference? This is how relationships get protected. Thanks, buddy. This is how we don't go through seasons and just blow up, blow up, blow up. I promise you, if you look at the fruit of David's life, what happened was he went right back, sat down around the campfire with those guys that just wanted to kill him and went, I love you, I love you, I love you. I understand. Because if you look at his life, he had he had incredible influence because he learned how to protect and build relationships. Now, he made plenty of mistakes, and all of us will. But learn from the well that he dug right here. Would you agree that he could have dug a hole right there and just buried himself? Forget it. I'm just going to go die. This is ridiculous. I'm over. I'm done. God, you weren't for me. How could you not protect my family, God? As opposed to God saying, I think I see an opportunity here, David. The amount of influence he had with those people after that moment when he didn't freak out like they did, but he faked up. I promise you, the level of influence went up exponentially. God wants your influence in your families, in your schools. As we finish the school year, he wants the level of influence to go up. But it'll be directly tied to your character in heated moments. To stay caught up with us as a youth ministry, go to PC Youth Salem on Instagram and YouTube. And join us Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific Time for our live stream. Have a great week.